Welcome to the Super Fantastic Nerd Hour. It's episode one. This is Ali Matu. And AJ Conrad. We're talking origin stories today. Both with the podcast um, and with some of our favorite characters in the Infinite Crossover Chamber. We've got Man of Steel versus Monsters University. And we're counting down our top five favorite origin stories. So welcome, everybody. I'm really excited to be talking about this today. How about you, Ollie? Oh, I am so pumped, Conrad. We have been really excited to launch the podcast. Uh, We did a couple of pilot episodes. We think we got the quirks worked out. Yeah. We're ready to boldly go. Yes. So um, I thought it'd be kind of fun to talk about our own nerdy origins just a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're on board for that. And let's do it. Let's go. So um, where'd things start for you? What's your origin story? Um, for me, I mean, I think I was probably a geek pretty, pretty early on, a nerd pretty early on. Um, one of my fondest, earliest memories is my dad taking me to see Star Wars um, as well as... Which one? Um, the episode four, yeah. um, and I was super little, super, super little. Um, so I don't know if this was um, some sort of theater that was just running it forever, which is entirely possible. <laughs> um, but I do have this, I, I was utterly fascinated yeah. as a kid, and it kind of took off from there. And then I also remember him taking me to see Star Trek II, Wrath of Khan. Yes. And being truly disturbed by the ear alien scene. Yeah, Khan's um, little earworms. I'm fairly certain I had to be walked out of the theater at that point because I, yeah. I was very young watching this. Um, yeah. But it just started this, um, this fascination, fascination and interest. And my father, who is definitely a, a geek... Um, <laughs> helped this so he would give me all these book recommendations like J.R.R. Token and C.S. Lewis and all this stuff that just fed on this um, and it increased as I got older I, I got very much into comic books um, like Sandman um, Watchmen mm-hmm. X-Men and all that fun thing and it just has increased from there um, you know I had no idea that your origin story was so um so had its roots in science fiction and two of the greatest science fiction franchises, mm-hmm. Star Wars and Star Trek. Because how I've come to know you is your profound knowledge and love of comic books. And it's really cool how um, that was sort of your gateway and you've explored and kind of developed a love of a lot of these different nerdy things. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and I think you had somewhat of a similar start. Not exactly, but sort of the same themes. Similar start, different trajectory. Um, I I grew up watching the Star Wars movies, and I loved them. I thought they were a lot of fun, but they also scared the crap out of me. <laughs> they were really scary universes. You had, you know, you were really afraid of Khan's, like, earworm, and I was really afraid of people getting their arms sliced off, and a lot of the, kind of the, the dark side of the Force, and Darth Vader, and and all of those, that storyline. So I just kind of grew up enjoying Star Wars. But the real, the moment, the kind of uh, the radioactive spider biting me moment was when <laughs> my brother took me to go see Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country. And just from the first shockwave, the explosion of Praxis, um, seeing Sulu, seeing the USS Excelsior, um, all of that just... I was I was hooked, and it was probably just the explosions and things like that, the political commentary of the end of Cold War, all of that was lost on me. But uh, my love of Star Trek developed, and it was seeing us in the future and seeing that things were going to get better 
And I wanted to be a part of that universe. And that kind of led me down to a love of science fiction. Um, I started watching Batman the Animated Series. That's Which sort of, is amazing. Oh, oh it's what a, so good. So good. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's well acted. And that was my gateway drug to, um, to comic books. I started reading a lot of comic books then. And, um, you know, it's more as an adult that I've kind of expanded to other territories like Doctor Who and like more of the wibbly wobbly aspects of, of <laughs> geekery. And yeah, I just played my first game of Dungeons and Dragons like two years ago. So I've been exploring more recently, but that's kind of like how, how it all kind of got yeah. started. I think, I mean, for me, some of the, I grew up in a very rural area. Mm-hmm. So I think, um, and you did not. Um, no, grew up in Silicon Valley. Right. Um, so I grew up in Vermont. There wasn't, I mean, obviously there were things to do, but I think part of why I got so entrenched into all of this <laughs> stuff is that I had an an enormous amount of free time on my hands. Yeah. Um, and I was also in a school where I was definitely not um, one of the popular kids. So, yeah. um, and I, and I do think that that science fiction and fantasy and all of that stuff, heroes tales lend themselves um, to people that have some of these difficulties. I, I think that for me, they were a very helpful coping mechanism in some ways, a handbook of, of how to deal with, with um, adversity. Absolutely. Basically, um, oh. and the interesting thing for me was that, you know, I I was given um, sort of an antho- like the Edith Hamilton mythology book when I was very young. And looking back on it, I was probably a little too young to grasp some of the themes. Um, <laughs> but I kept seeing these different stories, even if there were different names within the stories repeating themselves. Mm-hmm. Um and then when I got to, to college, was the first time I ever read Gilgamesh mm. um, and Beowulf and things mm-hmm. like that. And even though I knew about Beowulf, I had a cat named Beowulf growing up, but I didn't understand <laughs> where it came from. My dad obviously had a hand in that. Isn't that so interesting? You revisit things right. that from childhood and you're like, oh my gosh, there was so much more there. Um, and, and now it's like, oh, this totally makes sense. And yeah. so I had this um, fantastic group of classes uh, when I first started college, my freshman year um, at BU. And it was uh, the the secret. It was in the College of Arts and Sciences and it was called the core mm-hmm. of classes. And it was um, humanities and science and all this stuff put together in psychology. And wow. It was this amazingly interlinked program. Yeah. Um, and I just found all these themes that resonated with me because of all these things that I loved so much from my childhood. Yeah. But now they actually had a context and yes. made sense in the real world, um, yeah. especially psychology. Um, yeah. So I actually became a psychology major, although I did not become a psychologist <laughs> like you did. Well, I, that's how I completely relate to what you're talking about. It, you know, I I was a very anxious kid growing up. Um, I'm one of those kids who's probably undiagnosed with selective mutism, um, which sounds like a superpower. It kind of does. It kind of awesome. does, right? It's not awesome. No, it's basically in certain situations you don't talk. Um, it's like pressing the mute button. And when I got to middle school and high school, I was very socially anxious. What One of the things that always gave me so much hope, though, was an episode of Star Trek The Next Generation Tapestry where Captain Picard goes back in time and is given the option of changing one of his biggest regrets. But it has profound impacts on later on his later life. And he kind of learns that even the good and the bad things that happen to us, um, they have an impact on us and we can grow from those 
sort of uh, traumatic experiences. We can um, we can become better people. We can learn from our mistakes. And I wasn't really a good student in high school. Um, I got rejected from every college I applied to. Ended up going to community college, and there I accidentally took intro psych. Hmm. Was hooked because now all these ideas of Star Trek, of what it means to be human, of good versus evil, of can we grow, how do we grow, now we had scientific explanations for them. Right. And it was just like what you're talking about, this fiction world coming into contact with the real world. And I just knew this is what I was going to do. Kept taking classes, and here I am now, much later. I become became a psychologist because of Star Trek. So that's that's my origin story. I, I love it. Um, I think it's it's one of those things where um, and it's interesting because I actually was a very good student in school mm-hmm. and I maybe because of where I grew up and maybe because of the fact that I always I felt like science fiction and comic books and these things gave me this infinite hope and, that there was more out there, that w- there was mm. like more to life. Um, also, an incredible admiration um, for humans and human to- storytelling mm-hmm. and how humans make sense of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and just this, just this whole idea that um, no matter what situation you're in, you can always escape it a little bit um, or know that there's something better out there because yeah. of these stories. And so my reaction to all of this was to do as well as I possibly could in school Wow. To get out and to move out and see more ideas and, yeah. and go more places and yeah. things like that. To get and closer to, to that universe. Right. And to know that all that, all that was possible out there. Yeah. Um, so it was kind of, a, it's interesting though, our, our different stories. On well, that so one. how did our stories come together here? Ah, well, um, obviously we were brought together by one of the... <laughs> the most amazing people that I know, um, who's my partner, uh, Bill Wadman. So he's a photographer here in New York. And um, he I he met you through a friend of yours. Through right? my partner's friend. Yeah. Nguyen, uh, well, I'm sure our partners will appear on the podcast at some point. But I needed a photographer for this work thing. And um, my friend knew... Uh, Nguyen's friend, my partner's friend, um, knew that I was a big geek and just had j- kind of new bill from a photography project he did, which was uh, 365 portraits, mm-hmm. a portrait a day for a year. And I know this project well. <laughs> you were in the project. Yeah. And just thought that we would click, introduced me to Bill for purely business purposes and Bill and I hit it off. And then I remember you very much coming in to Bill's studio late that night mm-hmm. as we were finishing up. And we started to meet, or we started to talk. Right. And we geeked out a bit. A oh, lot. my God, did we in geek fact, out. In fact, I think you stayed for a long time. I and did. It, but it didn't feel like that because it was like we were so yeah. involved in what we were talking about. So, yeah. Um, but in any case. Uh, and those conversations continued. And, and led to this. And led to this. And we, we got to the point where we were like, you know. We really like geeking out. We want to share this with uh, with all of you, and we want to we wanted to create something that celebrates all the awesome things that we love, and um, and that's how the uh, super fantastic nerd hour is born. Indeed, indeed. Um, so, 
I'm really excited about this show. Um, and it always feels like when you and I talk about any of this, that the conversations could go on for hours, which is why we've decided to limit <laughs> ourselves to 60 minutes only, which is almost, this is a huge challenge. This is a huge <laughs> challenge, uh, considering every t considering our pilot episode was two and a half hours. <laughs> that was, that was an Maybe one day we'll release it on an anniversary, but we were so ashamed that it went on for so long. We were like, we I wasn't ashamed. This. I just was. I think that that's why we needed to do a pilot episode was to kind of get it out of our system and see yeah. how it works. So, so the second episode was closer to an hour. So we've got a time. You folks can't see it, but we've got a little timer and a countdown that's counting down from sixty minutes. So uh, hopefully we'll get this in an hour. But um, each episode is going to be exploring a different theme, a different idea, maybe a different film. And um, after that, we're going to throw everything into the infinite crossover chamber. So, right. Conrad, what is what is this amazing contraption of ours? So, this chamber is one where characters from different universes or different genres can meet. We give them a challenge, and then we kind of fight it out amongst ourselves about who is going to win or lose and why. So, all those great franchises, those great characters, the universes, they come together in the infinite crossover chamber and we celebrate all the mashups that that geeks and nerds love to do you know it's kind of like when you go to comic-con and you see all these universes come together and that's kind of the coolest thing is seeing wolverine stand next to han solo stand next to i don't know like you know ahura and you're seeing all <laughs> these things come together that's what we we love that about the geek culture and we're going to be celebrating that with the infinite crossover chamber and then every on every episode we're going to be counting down um five movies tv shows books places things that are related to the topic we're talking about yep so that's a super fantastic nerd hour we hope you guys really enjoy it and we'd love uh we love your feedback and today, we're diving into origin stories. You heard ours. You heard the podcast. But what is it about origin stories? And why do we keep coming back to them, not only as geeks and nerds, but Hollywood and writers and, and even going beyond that? We can get very like metaphysical with origin stories. But what is it about them that keep perpetuating throughout cultures? Um, I think, I mean, if you look back in, in terms of origin stories, um, you're going to see very similar themes revisited over and over again. I think um, it's a little bit of what, about what you and I were talking before um, in terms of psychology. Um, I think that humans use stories to make sense of the world. Uh, and I think that we always have this need to find out how it all began. Mm -hmm. Um and especially with superheroes, I think you kind of want to go back to that moment in time where they're changed, where they're changed into this incredibly powerful being or or why did it change or how did it change? Or, you know, that that is a need I think we all have. And I think that that is why Hollywood can't let the origin story go. And sometimes I think it would be healthy for them to do that. <laughs> but um, I think it's why we see so many reboots of the same story. We saw it with with the Hulk. Yeah, uh, we've seen it with Spider Man, and yeah. and obviously with Superman, um, yeah. and um, it's just something that um, I think in some ways it, it's driven by money 
in Hollywood and the fact that there's a built-in audience for these kinds of things. But ultimately, I think people want to see the beginnings because that is something that resonates with them because they want to see, because humans are normal. So they kind of want to see that point that changes somebody's life and makes them into something different. Well, and, and that it's that something different, that moment uh, it's these characters come to a crossroads and something happens that defines them for that moment moving forward, where all the stories that have yet to come are sort of defined by this, this big change that happened to the character. Absolutely. And, you know, you mentioned Spider-Man's and, you know, the the quotation that lives on in my mind is with great power comes great responsibility. And that in so many ways defines Peter Parker forever. And every decision he makes after that um, is a consequence of a decision he didn't make. Right. You know, in his in his origin. And um, I think you're you're right, Conrad, about like these these stories have been here throughout history, whether it's mythology or whether it is religion in some ways. I mean, well, we can't talk about Superman without talking about Jesus Christ. I mean, there is obvious, (laughs) obvious parallels parallels between that. And one thing that always comes up in my head, and this is the super geeky me, is the Epic of Gilgamesh. Mm -hmm. And this is one of the earliest surviving stories. We don't know that it's the earliest, but it is one of the earliest surviving stories epics um in existence that was on it it was a mesopotamian epic that they found written on stone tablets and Mm -hmm. it's all about um this character this uh king in fact named gilgamesh and his exploits Mm -hmm. and of course because we found this so late we don't know everything about this and there's pieces missing but you see within the themes of this story humans wanting to explain different things um yeah and so I think that it's progressed with that. Um, yeah. It, so you compare Gilgamesh and uh, Luke Skywalker and Star right. Wars, and there are not that many major differences to the journeys that these heroes go on. Um, and I think a lot of that is really hardwired in us. Uh, there's been some in preparation for this episode, I was looking at some of the uh, some of the research that's been done, and it's really fascinating how much. Um, all of our cognitive biases and the ways that we see the world, they kind of simplify details and our, our brains are very much wired to understand the world in stories. Mm-hmm. And if you look at little kids who haven't even been exposed to any religion or any type of supernatural ideas, they have these ideas of, the, of what their life was like before they were born, they, that they existed in some way. And even as adults, supernatural or strange or out of the usual details stick out to us in stories more than usual ones. We'll remember a singing frog better than some other detail that doesn't seem out of the norm. So I, you know, it's people have said it's because it helps us to, to survive that if you hear some sound in the wind, it's better for us to think it might be a creature attacking us than just the wind. It's a survival instinct, but I think it's something more than that. I think it's a way for us to continue telling major stories about what does it mean to be good? What does it mean to grow? What are the values that we have as a culture and perpetuate that forward in society? I think that's what these origin stories are all about. Well, they are. And if you look at um, just especially characters like Mm Spider-Man and Batman, who are not, you know, they are definite. Well, I wouldn't say Batman, uh, 
<laughs> he was, but but what do you have against Batman? I don't have anything against him, but I'm just saying in terms of the human experience, I think Peter Parker has a more normal existence. Sure. Um, multi, he's not a multi-billionaire. Than, than Bruce does. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, it's... it's um, it, so I think that that these are all sort of ways for us, and, and a lot of them are morality stories, aren't they? And they're yeah. about how humans make decisions and when they make the right decisions and make the wrong decisions. It's a very good versus evil type of world. And I think you've seen a little bit more of gray areas happening in the last few years than when, you know, comic books and these things started. Um, I, you know, things were very black and white. I think when, when DC originally um, like started with a lot of these characters mm-hmm. um, and even Marvel and, and it's evolved and I think it's evolved as our culture has evolved and gotten yeah. more complicated. Yeah. Um, that, that makes me think of some of the, um, the ideas in the debate between Joseph Campbell's hero's journey mm-hmm. and uh, the ideas of the American monomyth. And, you know, you, you take uh, Joseph Campbell, what he wrote about this mono, uh, monomyth, the hero's journey, about a character going onto the world and encountering some of these supernatural things, encountering these different characters, being changed and coming back in this changed way. Um, and that kind of maps on right along to Gilgamesh mm-hmm. and Luke Skywalker. Um, and then you look at this idea of the American monomyth, which has come out um, – where it's more of an idea of our institutions failing to stand up to some type mm-hmm. of threat or some type of evil and characters like Captain America or Iron Man or Batman now standing up to uh, defend justice or to right. promote good because these other institutions have failed. I think that's somewhat of a commentary on the complexity of the late 20th century. I agree. And I don't think it's just, Honestly, I don't think it's just the American monomyth, Um, Mm. even though I I mean, I understand, you know, um, where it came from. But if you read Watchmen, that Mm. is very much um, talking about the different institutions that fail us, even though some of it is related to America, obviously, Mm -hmm. um, where it's based. Um, But it's definitely more of a commentary worldwide how different institutions and people's um, attempts at building um, infrastructure and, and morality have failed. Um, One of the most, I mean, talk about origin stories, the, the origin of, of Watchmen yes. and the origin of Dr. Manhattan and the origin of um, the comedian. Oh um, gosh, yes. These are really complicated gray stories about, about quote unquote heroes. Right. Um, and, and they're much more complicated than the Gilgamesh and even the King Arthur, which yeah. you could also relate to yeah. the, to the, um, the Jesus Christ uh, story as well. Because in those stories, the heroes sometimes do things that you question, but generally you understand the rules of the game. Mm-hmm. The rules are very black and white. They're very, and Star Wars for that matter. Mm-hmm. Everything is very good and evil. There really isn't a ton of of indecision or questions about the motivations or the actions of these characters when they do something good, you know, it's good when they do something bad, you know, it's bad Um, in Watchmen and in Batman and in Spider-Man, there is a lot of struggle over these questions Mm -hmm. um, within the characters. And it doesn't always turn out the way you expect. No, no. And 
And that's why I, I love Watchmen so much as a deconstruction of um, so many of the ideas in, in comic books and in geek culture, whether it's about origin stories or whether it's about being a hero or, or any of these things that we're talking about. Um, but, you know, um, why, why do we keep buying the stuff, reading the stuff, talking about this stuff like i i get why they, they kind of perpetuate in culture but i feel like we there's something about nerds that we really we also really like these stories we also really keep coming back to them well i think we we as nerds or at least for me and i can speak personally on this i think these kinds of stories resonate i think the world's become very complicated and you see stories out there for example um about edward snowden mm -hmm. and the way that certain people paint him and the way other people paint him. So mm -hmm. in some ways you could look at Edward Snowden as a traitor mm -hmm. in other ways, you could look at him as a hero. Um, and it all depends on where your, um, your barometer is in terms of that. And I think that this, that kind of situation is definitely reflected in some of the stories that we're talking about here. Yeah. Um, it and, automatically makes me think of the comedian. Well, right. And it's an easier way. I think within these stories, it's an easier way to reflect and process these things as opposed to thinking about real world events. Yeah. And you still use it to sort of process the real world events. But when you take it into this entirely new universe, I think you can not dissociate yourself, but um, think about it uh, a little bit more objectively, if that I, makes sense. I, yeah, I, I completely agree with you. That's why... That's one reason why I love talking about the social commentary of science fiction. It gives you a way of talking about these issues that are going on in society um, in a way that's not threatening and in a way that um, detaches some of the strong emotions we have. Right. Now, otherwise, when you usually start talking about these very political issues, it's very polarizing. And um, I think a lot of geek culture gives us a way of understanding the world and talking about it in a way that makes more sense. I also think getting back to what you said about your origin story and mine too, um, a lot of origin stories help us to understand that um, we too can grow. We too can cope with adversity. We too can find meaning in loss and trauma. Um, one of my colleagues, Robin Rosenberg, wrote this story about the psychology of superheroes. And she talks a lot about how the ultimate lesson is you don't need to wear a cape or tights to be a hero, but all of us can sort of um, overcome these obstacles that we run into. And I, I love that. I do too. And I think it gives people hope. And I would say that's definitely what it did uh, for me growing up when I was in some difficult situations. Mm -hmm. um, I think growing up, and this is the thing, I, I don't think anybody has a completely adverse free childhood and even those who think that they have have not um but i think for people who deal with difficult things in their their childhood um this is a way to process it it's a way to give yourself hope it's a way to say hey you know things things will improve or there's a way they can improve and i can learn from these things and my life will get better mm -hmm. and it was definitely true for me Mm -hmm. um so i can't speak to you but definitely that was uh something that um helped me get through some of the more trying parts of of my childhood but more so my adolescence yeah no um i i agree with you it's 
um, when I when I had that huge setback, uh, and I, when I when I had when I have had huge setbacks in my life, I have looked at the characters that I was drawn to, um, whether it's Batman, whether it's a Captain Picard, um, whether it's Captain Kirk. Um, there, those seeing their stories and seeing them face adversity, seeing them losing people that they loved. Um, and finding ways to cope and persevere and grow was hugely not just motivating, but just just that idea that this thing can happen to you and you can find a way to continue. That is what I needed. And yeah. that is what helped me to to continue. But and I think that all these things are true. But aside from that, I also think that they're fun. Yeah, yeah, that's and entertaining, true. and yeah. there's such and I just, memorable and memorable, yeah. and so you have like I have these little flashes of certain stories that um, I you know I think that they're they're used a little bit as um, I, not even a little bit I think they're a primer for life to some exam uh, to, to some extent, um, but it's it's also um, I think because it's fun and entertaining and fascinating it keeps us thinking about these things. Um, So it's not um, something that you're going to just kind of drop by the wayside. And I think that that's why Comic-Con and all this, all these things that people are now more people anyway, a bigger audience are discovering. Um, I think that's why they have legs and why they keep growing. They Uh, resonate and they're fun. And, you know, it's, they're all kind of a parallel to our own lives. So much of, of adolescence and, and becoming an adult is figuring out who you are, kind of launching yourself into the world. And we all have an origin story, all right. of us. And these are kind of fun ways of understanding these ideas. Right. And I think uh, what you were just saying, we all have an origin story. So there's also common ground with mm. people where I think a lot of, a lot of um, people when they're going through these different things in their own lives feel very isolated. Mm -hmm. And so in some ways, I think when you read these sorts of stories, because you know, there's, there's a human behind them. You're, I found a lot of comfort in knowing that other people have been through these things. Yeah. So even though I knew I was reading like a science fiction or a fantasy story, um, I, there was a lot of, um, connection that I felt, um, with the fact that somebody was writing this because you knew that these stories had to come from, a real world experience or an idea from the real world as well. So what do you think we jump into the infinite crossover chamber and debate two of the biggest origin stories from this past summer? All right. I am. I'm happy to jump into that with you. Do you want to do the infinite crossover chamber? The infinite crossover chamber. Wait, that was kind of a musical. That was a little bit of a showboaty, (laughs) but I like it. Let's do it. All right, let's do it. Let's, uh, let's warp right into the infinite crossover chamber. Excellent. Nice. Those are the doors um, of the infinite good. crossover chamber opening. So in the chamber today, we've got um, the two the two uh, films and characters from films we're discussing. Man of Steel um, versus Monsters University. And specifically, Clark Kent versus um, Sully, right? Mike Wazowski? Are we doing Mike Wazowski or Sully? I think we got to do Mike Wazowski. Mm. Or are we doing Sully? 
Well, we can we talk can do, about. We can talk about. We can talk about both. But. Who is the 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 yeah the hero right. of that? Um, so here's how we're structuring the Infinite Crossover Chamber today. As you all will come to know, the Infinite Crossover Chamber has an infinite number of obstacles and combinations and permutations. Right. Each automatically fit the mold of the characters that find themselves in the chamber. In today's chamber, with our heroes, um, they are going to be faced with a task of crossing over the infinite obstacles within the chamber. Our question today is, having faced all these obstacles that are unique to both of these characters, who would persevere the best? Does so, that make any sense, or did I just say infinite way too many times? And well, you said infinite a lot, but that's okay. We'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll go with it. Um, so it's it's interesting, because you've got Clark Kent and slash Superman, I suppose. We can't just call him Clark Kent. Mm-hmm. Um, but, slash Kal-El. <laughs> right, Kal-El. Um, and the thing is, is that when he, especially if you're taking him from the Man of Steel, this is his becoming Superman. Um, which, you know, I'm not going to debate Man of Steel. Cause We're not this debating would just the be, movies. No. This will be, this would be, that would be a totally another episode. Yeah. But um, he, you know, in terms of his origin story, his parents are these aliens that basically their, their planet is doomed. So to save him and their race, they, they send him off to Earth. And his parents find him, or his adoptive parents find him, and he doesn't really know what he is. Mm-hmm. Um, he doesn't up. know where he came. Well, he he starts experiencing these powers, right? And doesn't really understand what's happening to him. Nor do his parents. No, and they're giving some advice, but really he kind of has to figure it out on his own, but not really knowing what his origin is. So it's an interesting idea because he doesn't. He doesn't know all of his powers, but he also doesn't know how to control them. So that's a large part of his origin story is him becoming Superman. What's what's interesting about Man of Steel is you see these moments of him having to discover his powers. And um, my favorite moments of the movie were those flashbacks uh, where you see Martha Kent um, go into the school when Clark is in the closet, really scared and alarmed and anxious and um, just doesn't know what's happening to him because he's developing x-ray vision and the super hearing. And Martha's response is, uh, is trying to help him control his emotions, trying to help him calm, uh, calm down, trying to help him see, uh, feel safe. And I, I j- part of the reason that I love Clark's origin story here is um, it's, it's about the support and love that right. he had from his parents. That actually was my favorite scene in the movie too. And I, you know, without getting too much into it, I wish they had done a lot more of that instead of some of the crazy blockbustery things they did with that movie. I think that was the most interesting part of this particular reboot origin story for Superman. Um, And it's, you know, when you think of Superman, you don't really think about how scary that must have been trying to come into that as a kid. Um, But on the flip... It's like puberty, but a hundred times worse. It's like, what is going on with my body? But, oh my God, I can now shoot laser beams out of my eyes. Right. Um, and then he gets a little bit more context later on um, from the other people from his planet. Um, and on the flip side, um, from Monsters University, you have Mike, um, who is, you know, 
has some limitations. Yeah. Um, and although he doesn't really know that he has them because yeah. he's he basically gets told by a lot of people that he's not able to do certain things. Yeah. And he doesn't. He's not good. He's, he's told over and over again, you are not good at scaring people. Right. Um, and that's all he wants to do. It is all he wants to do. And instead, he is going to study really hard, work really hard at strategy. And basically, he is just determined to succeed in this because it's all he has ever wanted to do. Yeah. Um, so when you put these two characters into a chamber together, I think the question is how who who would be more successful in overcoming the obstacles within their universe. Well, so the first thing, the first place my mind goes is um, Clark is Superman. He has superpowers he, uh, that have essentially no limitation to them, with the exception of kryptonite, right? Mm. And I'm sure there's going to be a little kryptonite in the infinite crossover chamber because they are facing every obstacle they're going to have to face. Um, so beyond that, he, he's really a person that has almost no limitations. But what Man of Steel shows us is a character who um, is really a little lost, trying to figure out who he is. There's a reason why it's called Man of Steel and not Superman. It's because he's not really Superman in this movie. He's kind of figuring himself out. So you've got this interesting dynamic with Man of Steel where it's a person who's so physically powerful, yet so psychologically trying to understand who he is. Whereas Mike, I think he kind of knows who he is, but he doesn't know his own limitations. Right. And in some ways that, I mean, I think that is his superpower. Yeah. Because he just won't take no for an answer. And in his world, lots of obstacles are put in front of him by other people. And it's basically everybody. Over and over and over again. Yes. Everybody against him. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, ultimately, if all things being equal, I, I think... Mike ultimately would win. Um, I, 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 I agree. I, I think Mike is incredibly resilient. He has faced so many obstacles, and um, despite his his smaller size, uh, cuteness. I mean, he's like the cutest monster in that movie. Um, he he does find ways to make things work, and he's a really resilient guy. Would it be different if this was a different version of Superman? I don't know. It's it's hard to say. But um, the other thing I was going to talk about was the fact that if you put um, Sully into the mix. Yeah. Because Sully is part of Mike's yeah. uh, superpower, in my opinion, or yeah. part of his, his bag of tricks. Because even though they initially start out as enemies, um, one of the things that Mike does is finally learns how to use the different people around him to make up for his own shortcomings. Yeah. And so, you know, he really uses teamwork and friendship to make his dream come true. And in the process, also making Sully's dream come true. Right. Um, and it, it is real. I, I love Monsters University a lot. I love the message of the film. And it, it was one of the most, um, it really surprised. I know we're not debating the film. Um but I think if you combine Sully with Mike, they're going to be able to scare the the pants off of uh, Superman. They'll find a way to like create some type of scary Zod Kryptonian kind of fear machine thing, 
and Superman would get pretty darn scared. I agree. I agree. But that being said, I felt like I did like Monsters University, but I also felt like it was a an animated version of Revenge of the Nerds. And that <laughs> that just I couldn't let go of that throughout the entire film. So yeah. we'll debate this another day. But yeah. in the in the infinite crossover chamber, I do think Mike would ultimately win. Um, we have so a consensus we do among have a consensus, our nerds. Shockingly, shockingly. shockingly. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah, so. You are now exiting the infinite crossover chamber. And on to one of my favorite parts of the show, because I love debating these things with you. Um, <laughs> so the next part, the next segment is our top five origin stories. And, you know, I will I will say we're not debating just of all time, but this yeah. is just for us personally. Yeah, and we're um, also, we're not debating specific interpretations of the origin stories, but more the overall kind of story of how this character came to be. Right, so more specific character stories. Yeah. So, um, and hopefully we will keep this within our within our window of, of Super Fantastic Nerd Hour, because I could talk about this with you forever. Now, so. I'm, we don't discuss these beforehand, so yeah. I have no idea what you picked. You have no idea what I picked. But um, in our previous pilot episodes, we both had a mind meld on at least one, where yes. we ranked the same thing at the same number. So I'm really excited to see if we have that mind meld again. Okay. I, I am too. So why don't you start us out with your number five? And All we right. count down from five to one. We count uh, down five to one. One yeah. being the best. So. Number five. <laughs> um, my number five pick origin story is going to be Spock uh, from Star Trek. And I, it's, it's really interesting because we don't really get, we don't get to see his origin so much in the original series. You hear about it. You hear, you meet his father, you meet his mother, and you see them in the um, in the movies as well. And then even in Star Trek: The Next Generation, you see his dad. Um, but his origin story is kind of alluded to in a lot of the um, the Prime Universe Star Trek. We really get to see elements of it in the first J.J. Abrams movie, and I, I loved I loved seeing that that this is a kid, a child of two worlds, who finds ways to integrate his cultures, who's teased for being different doesn't necessarily fit in in one place, but all those diverse experiences are what makes Spock so awesome. True. It's an origin story I love. Um, being a, a guy who was born in the U.S., but my parents came from, from another place. They were immigrants. I really that, that idea of our differences make us stronger really resonated with me. So I love that story. Cool. Um, my number five was actually Buffy. Oh, so good. From Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yeah. I think that this was a great origin story that started a franchise that still has legs, that still has a cult following. Um, it was this very weird and interesting idea that this teenager and, and kind of a ditzy teenager at that um, in high school is figuring out that she's this crazy vampire slayer. <laughs> and presented with this, she has a very teenage reaction to it. Um and I really thought it was a great idea. The The original movie, I it wasn't as successful. I think that going back, retooling it as a, a TV show was, was definitely needed. Um, I like how human she is. I do think she becomes annoying a little later on, but I like her origin story. I like the origin story of her and all those characters within that show. Yeah. Um, and it's just fascinating to see how they evolve. You know, what's cool about Buffy is I think people are still discovering it now. And 
if you compare it, if you compare Buffy now to some of the other vampire stuff that's on now, no comparison. No comparison I mean, at all. Such a more complicated um, show that gets at so many more ideas. Love it. Great pick. Uh, number four. Number four. Um, I'm going a little weird here. That's on okay. Red. Okay, so my number four is Tetris. Okay. The video game, and here's why. Um, I think the the story of how Tetris came into being is really interesting. So there was um a a, a Russian um video game designer. Well, I guess back then he was just a programmer, but Alexei Pachinov. I probably really butchered that. But he made Tetris in communist Russia, and he couldn't sell it because it was communist Russia. It was a Soviet Union. So he gave it away to friends. They really loved it. It spread eventually outside of Europe. And since it came from communist Russia, there were no copyright laws or anything. Um, Lots of people gobbled it up. People started selling it um, on PCs and because it was an awesome game. People like me start playing it obsessively. (laughs) Everyone starts playing it obsessively. And then um, the Soviet Union eventually catches on. Um, They make a company just to sell the rights for it. Nintendo has already at this time made the cartridges and is going to launch the Game Boy with Tetris. They come to Russia uh, the Russians are freaking out. You've made this game. They write them a big check, and the rest is kind of history. It becomes the most successful game of all time. One of the most successful games of all time launches a Game Boy, and it's everywhere. But this guy who made it hasn't really cashed in. I mean, he started to receive royalties, but like in the 90s, I think. So I think it's a really interesting story about um, – there's a great video about it. We'll put it in the show notes um, – Really just interesting stuff, how this came to be. I didn't know we were going that weird, or it might have changed my list, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> I like to keep the, keep you on your toes. <laughs> my number four was Dr. Manhattan from, oh. Oh, yeah. from Watchmen. It's a fascinating idea. Um, you know, he he's obviously the main character for a lot, and the main, main person for a lot, the catalyst um, for the storyline of Watchmen. Um, but basically, he gets incinerate not incinerated he just gets blown apart like all the particles of his being and they're atom, just by flo- atom. atom by atom they're floating all around um they eventually coalesce and he becomes dr manhattan and it's a fascinating idea it always i was obsessed with this origin story um when i first read this comic um graphic novel sorry mm-hmm. um and he was just a fascinating character t- to me just because when he became Dr. Manhattan and how he evolves as Dr. Manhattan, a lot of the things that, you know, he doesn't, he, he's sort of lost his understanding of humanity. Like he's working at a completely different level. And a lot of the storyline of Watchmen is about some of the decisions he makes and some of the things he does and some of the people he hurts because yeah. he's now basically a god. Yeah. Um, and just this incredibly powerful being. Um, so fascinating origin story. If I know a lot of people have read Watchmen at this point, but if you have not, highly you have recommend. wanted you got if you haven't read it, you got to read it. And I, I think the the his growing disconnect with humanity mm-hmm. is so fascinating, and is an interesting commentary on superheroes. That if these beings actually existed and they looked different than humans, they had these different powers, would they have empathy for humanity? Right. Um, so I just find it, it, the origin story itself, and then 
um, the evolution of his story is is incredible and and thought provoking. So yeah. that's definitely one of my favorites. Um, Good pick. That transitions well to my number three. Okay. My number three is X Men. <laughs> X Men broadly defined as the whole team of X Men, and I think it um, Doctor Manhattan might be a commentary on on stories like X Men, but um, it's. I really have always um, connected with the story. I was introduced to X-Men through the early 90s animated series, which that and Batman, the animated series, were like the two things I was so crazy about um, as a kid. I have to make a confession here. Uh My number two is X-Men. Oh, nice. (laughs) We've always got a mind meld. Yes, but so we can talk about that now since... Yeah. uh, um, But no, I agree with you. I think... Um, the origin stories of a lot of those characters. And yes, there's been ma- many, you know, there's different universes within X-Men and we could talk about that all day. Oh my day. gosh, yeah. But I think that the whole idea of some of these characters and watching how they cope with becoming what they are, um, just amazing. And they also touch upon some very um, significant themes for, for humans. Yep. Um like uh, the Holocaust and all Racism. sorts of things, and it, you know, uh, conformity. Yeah, and just how humans deal with new things and things that they don't understand. Um, the, the Red Scare and the Mutant Registration Act, right? Civil rights, LGBT rights, um, just being a teenager and <laughs> changing and not fitting in, right? Um, so all these things, I think, make it. I'm glad that it made it to both of our yeah, lists, though no, I'm not I, really all that surprised. <laughs> I, I love this idea that Professor Xavier um, creates a place where people can come, learn, practice, harness uh, their skills and use them to promote understanding and acceptance and, and kind of working together. Um, that is such a cool idea and um, just awesome. So what's your number three then? My number three was John Constantine from Hellblazer. And if you've never read Hellblazer, have you? I haven't. Um, I highly recommend it. It's one of my favorite um, comics. He actually, um, John Constantine, was actually sort of this recurring character that started out in um, the Swamp Thing. And you don't, he makes all these appearances and you don't really find out that much about him until he gets his own comic book series. Mm-hmm. Um, he's also a creation of Alan Moore, who made Watchmen yeah. as well. And what one of the just sort of random trivia things I like about him, just as a character, is that they really wanted him to look like Sting from the police. <laughs> so you see, you see a little bit of that going on. Um, but he's he is a fascinating character because he is um, he's quite flawed. Like, he really has some amazingly horrible things happen to him in his childhood. And he's also not, he is one of those characters you and I were talking about. He is quite, his morality is sometimes questionable. Um, He really is a confidence man. And you don't know entirely what to think about him as a character. Um, And he does these things, and some of them are amazingly um, incredible and full of grace. And some of them are just freaking evil. Mm. Um, And it's... The origin story sounds like an Elmore story. Yeah, well, of course it is. <laughs> of course it is, and maybe that's you know not a coincidence that Doctor Manhattan and John Constantine are on my list. Yeah. Um, what does it say about you? But the things I like about his origin story is that um, his parents, like his mother, dies giving birth to him, and uh, his stillborn twin brother um, 
and his father is really just wrecked by it and and kind of blames him um mm. for it and his father is an alcoholic and um this is the thing is that um John has he is a magician he basically does these things and one of the first things that he does is to create a box to put all the pain of his childhood into it like a like a physical box well not a physical but like kind of a um it's a spell that he uses huh. um to hide all of his innocence um all all the things that make him vulnerable wow um and just put it all into some of these things and put it all into this um box to get himself rid of it and to me that's a fascinating origin story because of obviously when you're a kid and you're going through hard things what do you try to do you try to like hide from it or get away from it and things like that so and sometimes as adults i know that's something that i've experienced, I've experienced it too so he's a fascinating character to me and that origin story is fascinating for that reason um and i do highly recommend that comic book series so um what if for some, i haven't i have not read this uh, I, I would someone, also what say, do you recommend um i would go with the original hellblazer series there, he also gets a reboot in the new 52 yeah um which there's an, an enormous amount of debate surrounding that yeah. um one of the cool things about him as a character is that he actually ages so a lot of when you Unlike- see Pretty much everyone else. And and so when you'll see him sort of making his way throughout the comics, he ends up being like this sort of like um, middle-aged or 50-year-old man. And he's aged. Like he's wow. he's gone through a lot of stuff. You see his experiences on his face. Um, in the New 52, they kind of regress him back. And it's like a youthful uh, Constantine. Um, but in any case, highly recommend. We'll put something about it in the show notes. Um, cool. So that's that. And so we don't have to talk about my next one since it was... Your number two was X-Men. Yep. Right? So my number two is a real person. So this okay. is, this is again, me kind of uh, going a little bit um, against the groove here. Um, my number two is Dean Tripp. Now, uh, Dean Tripp is a, um, a writer for comic books. He's a penciler and inker and colorist. Um, and he's been involved in a lot of comics. And this past year, he came out, he self-published a, um, a sh- very short... Um, comic graphic novel called something terrible and it's really moving it's it's really has um something about it has really struck a chord with so many people um for those of you who are not familiar it's his autobiographical real life story and it in a very courageous way uh dean talks about how he was sexually abused as a kid growing up feeling very suicidal because he was afraid um of this myth that um, people who are abused go on to abuse other people. And, and are uh, damaged, and there's no way out of it. There's no way out of it. That this but is... the happy part of this story is that um, he really finds solace in geek culture, similar yeah. to some people I know. Yeah. Um, and it's a really, really well-done and um, amazingly um, executed it's, it's, story. It's a beautiful story. There's a page... Um, I don't want to give it away, but there's a page called You'll Be Safe Here. Right. Um, where any of us who love science fiction and fantasy and comics and nerdery and geekery, um, you will you will be so touched by this story. It is so amazing. And so yeah, you know, it's, check it out. Check it out. He's got a Kickstarter right now um, where he's really trying to take uh, something terrible to the next level. Please consider donating. If you donate a dollar, you'll get an issue of it. 
um, you'll you'll get the actual something terrible. So um, check him out, Dean Terrible, something terrible. Uh, no, Dean Trip. Oh no, nuts, Dean Terrible, Dean Awesome, Dean Awesome, Dean Awesome, Dean Trip, something terrible. That's a good choice. Um, very Thank good you. choice, Ali. Um, well, on to our number one. I'm gonna have you go first since uh, All right. since I just went. Well, my number one, and I know you can have so many iterations of this, is Batman. Yes, mine meld, mine what? too. Yeah. Um, he, you know, there's not enough. He is one of my favorite characters. Um, but his origin story is a very interesting one. Um, one where he takes what has happened to him and turns it around and turns yeah. it into a fighting for justice and and um he could probably just you know take all of his money and just hang out but he doesn't do that no you know batman's superpower is post-traumatic growth mm-hmm. i mean that's it he doesn't have superpowers yes he's got the money Okay, let's let's kind of just you know suspend money, our disbelief. The money's a bit of the superpower, Ali. <laughs> the money's but. a little bit of a superpower. However, if you look at his his origin, and we've had lots of great versions of his origin story, um, whether it's Batman Year One, Batman Begins, oh, Batman, Batman Year Anime, One is so good. Batman Year One, and have you seen the video that Warner Warner Brothers did an animated? Um, video version of Batman Year One. It's good. It's good. Yeah, and it's really authentic and true to the story. And I, um, there's a couple of things I don't like about Batman Begins, but I think Batman Begins borrows and is based on some of the best stuff in Batman Year One. Uh, I, I think in terms of all the Batman franchise movies and things like that, I think Batman Begins is pretty, pretty solid. Pretty solid. I can't argue with too much in it. Uh, there's obviously things we can all argue about, but I think overall. Uh, I liked I liked it. I can support it. It's we all can be Batman. It's right. what I lo- love about Batman. Um he he's a guy um and you know the whole Batman family. Let's expand it right. out to um all the Robins, the Batgirl, Batwoman. Mm-hmm. Um the whole Batman family is um all kind of united um on this core story that um terrible things can happen to us and if we if we work hard, um, it doesn't mean that those things were good, that um, uh, that we would ever want to experience them. But if if we if we continue to kind of try to grow from those experiences, great things can happen. Right. Um, I love that. Me too. Batman. And I think that that's one of the reasons why the Batman story has always been one of my favorites. Even though I do enjoy all these other ones where fantastical things happen, I think you can kind of take Batman as a hero. And really, you know, because he's not given superpowers per se, um, it's it's something that resonates a little bit more clearly yeah. um, with people. Plus, man, he does have super cool gadgets and oh, toys yeah, and cars. The Batmobiles and, and... Yeah. Oh, man. He's super suave. So. so you want to do a rapid fire round of honorable mentions? Do you have any? I do. Um, not necessarily... Well, I guess not really science fiction, but um, I would say... Um, the Kill Bill origin story. That's on my honorable mention. Um, you know, uh, um, Beatrix is is definitely up there. I love finding out all about how she becomes super awesome and badass. I think that's <laughs> that's pretty cool. Um, Harry Potter has that's to make on it on mine. my list. Absolutely. Um, um, there's um, and Doctor Who, of course, but that makes it, it it's a little more 
Um, Doctor Who I love. It's a little more wibbly wobbly. Um, How about you? Um, Harry Potter was on mine. Buffy was honorable mention for me and Doctor Who. Um, I've got uh, The Godfather Part 2. Oh, that's pretty good. That's That's a good origin story. Awesome origin story. Um, I've got, I put, um, I put Khan on my list from Star Trek. I think it's, he's got an interesting story. Um, a lot of it you don't see on the TV show and the movie, but it's, it's pretty interesting. Um, Sarah Connor from Terminator. That's a good one. I think that's good. Um, James Bond, Casino Royale, the movie, the new, newer movie is good. Unbreakable. Ooh. I really, uh, M. Night Shyamalan gets, you know, he's, it's complicated what what's happened to him and the movies he's made. But Unbreakable, I think, is a um, often overlooked, amazing superhero. Oh, it's movie. an incredible movie. I really enjoyed that. Actually, uh, just, just I liked I like some of his movies. I think more, and I give him more credit than some people do. But yeah. definitely Unbreakable. In terms of people who love comic books um, and superheroes, it's a good it's a good way to go. Check I got one more on my list, which is Alien. For uh, Ripley. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, awesome that's a good one. Origin story. All right. Well, I think we've done a good job staying within our within yeah. our allotted time. And for our first episode, I think this has been pretty cool. I had a lot of fun. I did and too. I did too. Um, know, we hope you had fun. And we really would love to hear your thoughts on origin stories, some of your favorite origin stories, who you think would win between Man of Steel and Monsters U. Right. And any other things that you'd like to hear us talk about um, here on the show? Um, we have a website. Would you like to intro it? Absolutely. You can check out our website at www.superfantasticnerdhour.com. Over there, you'll find our episodes. You'll find a little bit more information about us and also a way to kind of send us ideas and uh, start a discussion about these awesome things that all of us love. Right. Um, so I'm excited to hear from everybody. And where can people find you online? Um, online, I'm on Twitter, at Die Prince. Um, my, my love of Wonder Woman shows through. Yep. And then... Yeah, if you can't tell, we have like three different pieces of Wonder Woman memorabilia on the table right now. Yes, they can't, they can't see this, <laughs> but, but yes, there, there's a lot of Wonder Woman involved. We'll get into that origin story later. Yeah, we will. Um, and you can find me online. I'm at uh, Ali Matu on Twitter, and I'm the science fiction psychologist at www.brainknowsbetter.com. Great. Well, this has been so much fun, Ali. So I look forward to our next episode. Until then, live long and prosper. Indeed. Talk to you later. Bye.